Shaping Vaping. Um, this is our weekly conversation about the latest in vaping policy. I'm Char Owen, your guest host, while Amanda Wheeler has her Vaped Crusader cape on and is fighting the Colorado flavor ban. So, and we'd also like to wish uh, Janie Timmons a get well thoughts. She was going to be our second panelist today, but lost her voice and couldn't be here. So get well soon, Janie. Okay, so this week is kind of crazy nostalgic for me. A few years ago, and I mean like almost 10, um, my husband and I opened our first vape shop. And we went to a local vape show in San Antonio where my husband was ecstatic and he pointed out a, a reviewer, a YouTube reviewer from the Smoker Show. Well, um, it's kind of crazy because now we have our reviewer from the local from the uh, Smoker Show here. So Demi is going to be our guest. He doesn't need much of an introduction, but hi, Demi. Hi, I can't believe it's been that long. I mean, uh, ten uh, a decade in vaping feels almost like sixty years in smoking. You know, I mean, it's just it's so draining. You know, it really feels like a lifetime. It really does. But you know, it's it was it was such a crazy thing for me to think about this morning that you know, almost ten years ago, I think it was two thousand and fourteen, you guys were in San Antonio, and my husband. Yeah, was just yeah, we were there for the show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The good old days when we actually had shows in in America, and, and we helped so many people quit smoking through those shows. It's uh, it's a shame not to be able to have that kind of camaraderie and community. Uh, I remember the first uh, vape show that I went was actually VaporCon in Virginia, and I think this was in 2011 or 2012. And it was basically a hotel uh, with uh, maybe 15 vendors in uh, in uh, four by eight tables just around the room. And in the center of the room, it had these round conference tables that had like 10 chairs each. And I specifically remember sitting there with Phil and there were just smokers coming in and sitting down with the vapors and everybody was so willing to help them and get them a setup and and have them discover vaping uh it was it was it's truly an experience that i'm never going to forget and it's something that i think helped propel this industry uh and it's just a shame that we just don't see that anymore absolutely you know and you guys were instrumental in helping my husband uh stick to vaping so and i don't know if i've ever told you that um, so as a wife, you know, I'm incredibly grateful to both you and Phil for that. Um, he, Thank you. He, um, he, I, I bought him, I was probably eight months pregnant at the time and I mm -hmm. didn't want, and he was a, a never quitter. You know, he was not going to quit smoking. Um, he didn't care. He didn't care. I cried and begged and pleaded cause I lost my own father from lung cancer. So, yeah. um, and he was just not going to quit. He's like, I enjoy smoking. I'm not going to quit. And so I got him his first kit in a little mall thing, <laughs> and they were awful. They were the Sigalikes, you know? Yeah, the yeah. The juice was awful, and he watched you guys. He, he learned to modify what he had to make his own juice and to make it his, and he has never smoked another cigarette. Yeah, that's fantastic, and it's a story that we've hold, we've we've heard so many times with Phil, especially in the early days. I mean, we uh, we 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 helped thousands of people discover vaping through YouTube before shops started opening up, and then when shops were opening up, um, 
we still had a lot of people that would tune in just to stay occupied. I think that vaping and the hobbyist side of vaping in this community feeling really helped a lot of people stay off cigarettes because it's more than just, you know, receiving your nicotine. It's more of the feeling that you get that you're with a group of people that that a beat cigarettes, right? Which is one of the mm -hmm. hardest thing that I've had to do. Well, aside from being a father to teenage girls, smoking <laughs> is probably the second hardest thing I've had to do in my life uh, is to quit smoking. Um, so that, that feeling I think is what helped a lot of people, uh, feel like they belong somewhere and it helped them, it helped them stay off cigarettes. And then I think once you get past that hump and you put cigarettes behind you, then you kind of become a crusader yourself and you try to help, uh, other people. But, one of the things that me and Phil have said all the time is that the people that quit with vaping, maybe we helped jumpstart it. Maybe we gave them some advice. Maybe we kept them entertained, which is, again, extremely important. But at the end of the day, the person made that decision to go buy that kit or, and try vaping. So a lot of the credit goes to the willpower and the fact that people did try vaping and it worked for them. Well, and the attitude that you guys brought to it as well. And, and this, this is what I miss most about the environment that we have in the United States. The attitude was and, and and we used to say in our shop you know we started a cult you know uh we started a yeah. non-smoking cult because they it would proliferate we would um we would help one person stop smoking in um you know just a random manufacturing facility in our town and then before you know it the entire facility was smoke free yeah that's fantastic yeah and so we literally changed whole companies in our town yeah. And, and we also used the product as it was intended to. Right. Yes. So back then in the early days, you know, the product was intended to help smokers quit. That was that was the the inventor's uh, goal with with coming up with the electronic cigarette. We used it properly, at least in the first five, six years of vaping becoming more mainstream in America. And yeah, a lot of that has been lost for various reasons that we can go into afterwards. But I think that uh, if we, if if we, I think if America, and I think if if uh, if policymakers and healthcare in America and medical professionals really promoted vaping as it was invented and intended to be used, meaning this is a tool, not for little Timmy, Johnny, Billy, Bob. This is a tool for Timmy, John, Billy, Bob's dad to quit smoking, and that would make it unappealing to any. Uh, kid, honestly, nobody wants to use the product that their old man used to quit smoking, right? Um, I think if that approach is would happen in 2016, 2017, when Jewel came on the scene, I think that we would have seen a different environment right now. You know, have them justify everything that they're doing to protect the kids. I do too. You know, and 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 for us, we were always a um, you know a, a shop that, even though we didn't have age limits in texas we always enforced our own uh, because of course you don't want uh the youth in there um it's an awful look for a place anyway but and then when youth did come into our shop you know once they turned of age and they knew they could come by we always said you know hey how much do you smoke that's one of the things that my guys ask for and if they say yeah. we don't smoke, then they walk out the door with zero nicotine. And you'll see them for maybe six months. And then they just kind of go away because it's really, you know, the the loss, the luster leaves it because it becomes too much Absolutely. work. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so it was our privilege to take that 
would-be smoker or would-be vapor and turn them into we just breathe natural clean air, right? So that was our privilege to do that for them. And it still is to this day. We don't, when we do our surveys, we don't have a huge number of people that were never smokers because we have that little caveat of, you know, how much did you smoke? And if they tell us nothing or maybe I smoke one or two a day, you're, you go, you know, well, hey, I've got a zero nicotine for you, and I think that'll do you fine. And they always take it. So, which is a benefit because, you know, like you said, that round table of hand-holding, uh, that's where it's always been at and where it needs to stay. Yeah, I think I think a lot of the numbers are very skewed, especially in America. And, and I think that experimenting will happen. I think... Nicotine is something that people desire and they, and they have the right to use. But one of my biggest struggles uh, dealing in lobbying and, and the political aspect of vaping since 2014, unfortunately, <laughs> has been this kid argument. And, I, and being in a state like Tennessee that's a little bit more you know, conservative and more pro-business, it's been a little bit easier for me. But again, the kid, the kid discussion always comes up every year in the every legislature. And, and I think that you know, I've tried to talk to the legislators with a more common sense of, listen, you know, a lot of these kids start smoking. Uh, you know, I was against the T21. I mean, I was, I was, I was probably one of the only advocates at the time when VTA was saying 21 and done, that was really against it because I knew it wouldn't stop there. Number one, but number two, uh, if you look at the statistics uh, from our own CDC, you will see that the average kid in America starts smoking at the age of 13. Absolutely. Right. So, so that means by the age of 18, they're a five year addicted smoker. And now we're having the government say, uh, guess what? You can't try a vaping product uh, for another three years. So yeah. keep smoking for another three years until you turn 21 to turn vape to try vaping. So I think that the laws are just so unjust and unjustified in many ways. But the most important part is that you cannot use that data where it suits you and then ignore the other data that says combustion kills and a lot of kids start smoking. So not having that option, even for a 17 year old, if I caught my 17 year old daughter smoking, I would gladly give her an electronic cigarette in order for her to be able to quit. And then hopefully she'd be able to quit everything together. Right. But if she's been smoking for a couple of years, we all know how difficult it is to quit. Why not offer options? And it's it's something that, that here in Europe is, is encouraged. And that is now I know in in England, it's encouraged in the UK. It's encouraged. How is that encouraged in, in Greece? Is it the same? Well, um, aside from being uh, the executive director of the Tennessee Smoke Free Association, I'm the vice, vice president of SEPA, which is the Greek Trade Association, which is also members of EVA, which is the Independent European uh, Vaping Alliance. So I get to see a lot of the data. And in Greece, obviously, the smoking age is 18 and vaping age is 18 as well, too. So it's easy for that 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 spillover, if you want to call it, of an 18-year-old to try vaping and a lot of them have gravitated to it. I mean, kids today are way smarter than what we are. Yeah, <laughs> That's for sure. Absolutely. And a lot of the kids know that that vaping is, is so much better for them. And uh, so we've seen that transition more so in, in the 18 to 25 demographic uh, versus the older crowd where we see a lot of them are gravitating towards a heat, not burn product. Uh, which we'll talk about that a little bit more as well, too. But yeah, absolutely. I think in Europe in general and the data that we're seeing uh, shows that 
youth usage, I think here in, in Europe in general is like a 4.8 in high school. That again, that means that they've used one in the past 10 days and they've used one in the last 30 days as well too. not just tried it, but, you know, consistently use it. So the numbers are very low for that low age group. But I think that the ones that have started smoking, we're seeing a trend a continuing downward trend of that 18 to 25 demographic that used to smoke but has transitioned to vaping uh, much more readily available here than it is in the United States. Yeah, it's insane numbers. And I was just looking on, on Twitter today and I saw where um, someone, one of the celebrities actually lit up a cigarette in, you know, uh, on screen. And I'm thinking, wow, you know, how we, how what a full circle we've come where now, you know, you see celebrities like hiding their vape, but yet they're, they can yeah. openly light up in public and it's, and it's okay. You know, what, where is our thought process behind uh, making it acceptable for combustible cigarettes, but, but you're, you're shaming, you're vape shaming. That yeah. makes no sense to me. Yeah, I, I think that that I mean, obviously, we know a lot of the reasons why these laws uh, uh, happen in in uh, in the United States. The monopoly of nicotine delivery, obviously, is one of them. We're seeing that with uh, the state bills that are hitting uh, very aggressively this year in in uh, in different legislatures across the country. Uh, but also, I think that the healthcare system has a big, big role in this. And, you know, here we have socialized medicine in Greece. In the UK, the government pays for for uh, most of the healthcare of their citizens. So in countries where where the government is footing the bill, uh, especially for tobacco-related illnesses, you know, vaping is promoted. And uh, harm reduction is promoted, I should say that. I shouldn't just put vaping. Right. Here in the Greek parliament last year, um, thanks a lot due to the to the to the efforts of of uh, PMI, which uh, you know they they own a Greek tobacco company here, but it's basically Philip Morris behind it. Um, in the Greek Parliament, the Prime Minister announced that heat not burn products and electronic cigarettes belong on this in this fourth category of tobacco products with less harm which is a huge win yeah. um in in the middle of 300 you know legislators for him, for him to say it so the uh, obviously that the policy that the government has to follow is to encourage uh, smokers, uh, uh, citizens of this country, over 4 million in Greece smoke. So we're a big, you know, we're yeah. per capita, we're the biggest smoking country in Greece. So you'd think it would be, you know, to to promote these products and, and educate citizens that they have other options uh, would be vital. Um, so we haven't gotten there yet, but we do have these baby steps where with the, the trade association, we're meeting with the Ministry of Health, we're, me we're meeting with the Ministry of, uh, of Finance to try to fine tune the European Tobacco Products Directive law that, that's in place here and as for most of the European Union as well, too, to be able to do that and be able to be more vocal about it. Unfortunately, there are some laws for the stores, just like we see in Greece, that we, you know, we can't really say you can quit smoking. You know, we have to use the word switch. We have to use, you know, different terminology for it. However, a trade association could uh, come out and, you know, we're planning a campaign here in conjunction with the Independent European Vaping Alliance to be able to get out there as a trade association, set up some booths, pass out some literature in different cities. Uh, we have a machine, uh, a portable machine that we had built in Cyprus that uh, shows uh, a cigarette being drawn into a machine and a vapor device being drawn in the machine and see, so people can see immediate results of what's collected in a catch cup. Um, so we're trying to do a little bit of stuff like that that the government will allow us to do. 
the statistics really what we should really look to is the uk model i mean in in 2020 the latest statistics that we got from the uk is that 27.2 percent of the people that quit smoking use the vaping product I mean that is that is a uh, by far uh, the highest uh, product that's being used in the UK right now for people to quit smoking. Where the com a combination of everything else that's pharmaceutical NRT prescribed is at fifteen point five percent. I mean double, double the amount in the UK of people that are attempting to quit smoking are doing it via vaping, which shows you the efficacy of the product, obviously. And the government is promoting it with some hesitation, obviously. They're, you know, they're trying to keep, uh, as they should, have a little bit, you know, we need some more data. We need to always continue to monitor it. But they do it on a yearly basis. The RCP report is updated on a yearly basis. The NIH, which is the National Institute of Health there, puts out a report on vaping every year. So they always try to monitor the data. They just don't dismiss the product as we've seen uh, healthcare in, in the United States have done uh, drastically in the last few years. So healthcare is a big part of it. There's an entire multi-billion dollar uh, economy that has been built in America from people uh, getting sick uh, from smoking and tobacco-related illnesses and dying, unfortunately. So, um, and unless that system is, is turned around, I think that we're going to continue to face the hurdles that we are. And I think that, you know, a, a lot of, you know, we see a, a lot of legislation being passed or try to be passed to actually give people here in the States. I think the big difference is we see a legislation trying to be passed that gives certain players an advantage in sales and they're using the political system to do that to try to gain market advantage and i don't think you you have a lot of that where you are so so a lot of that backbiting doesn't exist right sure sure so the lobbying here is a little bit different than the u.s of course i mean there's definitely lobbying here but the fact is that the tobacco companies here also sell electronic cigarettes so this is this is what i was telling you i was going to touch on earlier uh, heat not burn is very popular in Greece, as it is in Europe in general, right? So, uh, but a lot of the tobacco companies not only sell heat not burn, they sell electronic cigarettes, pod systems as well, too, flavored pod systems, I might add. Yeah. Uh, so, so when they're promoting this uh, in in the various countries, uh, we're included. So the fact that we sell vaping products and the help of the heat not burn, which unfortunately in America, yeah. due to you know some copyright and uh, and the fact that they had to go through FDA PMTA and took so many years for them to get approval, is not relevant. So uh, that heat not burn really has helped us because it does fall on that harm reduction products, and. Thankfully, big tobacco companies can't dismiss vaping products and say, oh, heat not burn is better than vaping products because the data, their own data shows that, yes, there's a significant reduced harm with heat not burn products, but there's even more of a reduced harm through uh, using electronic cigarettes and nicotine vapor products. So that has really helped us in the different uh, categories of lobbying, if you want to say, if you want to call it that way. It's a little bit different here in Europe. But I will tell you that uh, a few weeks ago, uh, the European Parliament, uh, in a huge win, I think, for vaping, they announced this plan uh, for 2022 that's called Beat Cancer. And of course, included in that is tobacco-related illnesses. So for the first time, uh, a couple of weeks ago, the European Parliament became the first, the first elected chamber anywhere in the world, anywhere to endorse uh, tobacco harm reduction. Wow. And in, in this vote, uh, which was 624 uh, five votes for 
uh, 15 votes only against uh, in the efforts and the treatments of, of cancer prevention. It notes that electronic cigarettes could allow some smokers to progressively quit smoking. Now, I don't know what you're going to say. It's not the best terminology ever, but. I think it's a huge step when you see that a European parliament, now this represents 27 countries, to say that we're going to beat cancer and that vaping can play a big role in beating cancer. I think that's a huge step moving forward, not just for, for the European countries, but I think for the world in general. If uh, countries like the United States and other countries like India and Africa that are really against vaping would open up their eyes and listen to some, some, uh, some outside research. Absolutely. We could, if, if we could get our government behind harm reduction, um, you know, there's that saying of, of where the U.S. goes, so does the world. We would... We, we could completely change the landscape behind the deaths related to smoking and the deaths related to cancer. So um, I'm a huge advocate, and, it, and, and, and it's big, and we've got to somehow find a way to incorporate the average vapor in this to, to go to his legislator and, you know, and, and explain what's happened. So did you, have, did you guys have a big grassroots, or was it more just the shops and things that that made the change for you in europe so for us it was part of the i think the uh the fact that the independent european uh, vaping alliance did a lot of groundwork on this to be able to have it included uh there was a few pushbacks from a, some certain groups here i mean we have our antis here just like we have in the united states mm -hmm. Um, to change some of that terminology that originally was uh, proposed in this amendment to to in the beat cancer plan, but thankfully we at least had that line that was that was inserted in there to to give, um, you know it's it's all about con consumer confidence, right? I mean if, if if people are not educated what it is, if they don't have confidence in the product, they're not going to try it. So this I think uh, obviously was a big big win for Ieva. Uh, and every member of, of this organization, which included the Greek Trade Association, had an input while we were drafting and trying to get this thing done. So it, it wasn't so much from a consumer perspective as it was from the businesses, uh, but it also helped that we have this group that's working very hard in Europe to promote harm reduction, not just in one country, but the, the entire European Union. So what it boils down to, I think, for us is looking at this, we could easily turn around and use this in a press release on a country-by-country -country basis just to simply tell, to reassure smokers that there are health benefits to switching to vaping. And I think this is key, uh, is the consumer confidence, is that people are going to look at vaping as a tool, as another tool in the arsenal of all the other products. I'm not dismissing patches and gums i'm not dismissing any other nrt products because they are harm reduction as well too Absolutely. they might not be as effective but they are and that's always been my argument as well too when we're talking about the american cancer society and the american lung association i would never want them to say oh you need to vape or or die but i would like for them to say you need to quit smoking uh and here are your available options you got lozenges you got patches you got gums you got uh pills you have hypnosis but if all that fails there's also a choice in vaping, and that's what we're trying to do in Europe. Well, it touches so many things, and and I've been doing some uh, writing some literature reviews in 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 the sort for the PMTA, and it's very a lot of studies have been done on on how tactile it is, as well as just a nicotine craving. So it's not not just that nicotine craving. There's a tactile. There's a behavioral aspect that vaping 
does help to promote, you know, um, yeah. you know, down to, you know, when you drive your, you know, my common thing was that I smoked when I drove. So, yeah. Yeah. So there's that, there's that habitual behavior that something like, um, for people like me, gum or patches wouldn't have worked because it wasn't just about the nicotine for me. It was a behavioral, it was a social thing. Yeah. Yeah. There's a social piece. It's a physiological effect. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It's a physiological effect that that I think that's why vaping works for us. We're, we're used to doing a movement 400 times a day. We're used to our hand going to a specific place. Mm-hmm. We are used to seeing something come out of our mouth. We are used to the throat effect that a cigarette has and that calming effect that it gives you with that burn that you get in your throat. So, I mean, there's a lot of things that, that vaping does does cover. The problem, I think, in, in, in doing PMTAs, and, and, and trust me, I know your pain because, you know, I've been dealing with, with it since 2015. But um, the problem that we have in America is that the law itself, meaning the Tobacco Control Act that gave the authority to the FDA, uh, was drafted when electronic cigarettes were not in play. So... Clearly, the PMTA is a monopoly. It's if you want to come to the market, you're going to have to spend millions of dollars, right? Uh, we all know that. I mean, the Tobacco Control Act was also known as the Philip Morris Protection Act for a reason. Mm-hmm. But making that threshold so high. And I tell you, I've worked with companies that, that are very small companies, medium companies, even some of the largest e-liquid manufacturers. And we simply cannot be able, I mean, we're not able financially to be able to uh, um, to to raise money to be able to complete a PMTA, and even if we did raise the money, I still think that the the bar has been set so high for us for us to pass that it makes it nearly impossible. Well, and they would raise the bar um, just like they did last time. So yeah, I mean, literally, yeah. um, th- there was a change to the guidance to where now you have to have the cohort study as of the November uh, November the fourth. And that was never part of the original bar. And so because we were all able to figure out a way to actually file and try to become FDA compliant, um, they raised the bar. So let's let's raise it a little higher so that we know they'll trip over it and we don't have to approve any of these products. I mean, right now we've yeah. got a couple of products that are approved that are um, antiquated at best. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and and not not products that the consumer desires either. No. I mean, it's 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 clear the market share of these products have been approved is is minute compared to the overall smoking prevalence in America, and also the people that have quit smoking, where you're eliminating the options as well too. Here in Europe, with the tobacco, with the TPD, the Tobacco Products Directive, which I'm not a big fan of, honestly, uh, because again, there was some influence in how the law was written. However, products are available, right? Right. Uh, there are some nuances and. Some countries that are really enforcing a 10 mil bottle with nicotine, uh, you can only have 20 milligram uh, maximum in your products. You cannot have anything higher than that. So there are some nuisances with it. However, uh, vaping is still available. And the process for you to bring a product to the market is simplified. So the European Union took a different approach. They put some parameters in place, like that 10 mil bottle and the 20 milligram cap. However, when you file a folder with, in Brussels, you know, for the, for the TPD, which is for Europe in general, then you have to file individually in every country, depending on what they're required. But once you file, you have to do some emissions testing on your product, whether that's going to be a liquid or a device. You open up a folder, you start selling your product, and then the European Union said, well, we're going to take a look at it. You know, we're going to look at this every couple of years. We're going to collect the data. We're going to see if we had 
you know, if we have kids vaping, we're going to see if we have any uh, nicotine poisoning. We're going to see if we have any adulterated products on the market. And then TBD is being revised. TBD TBD two came out. Now we're awaiting TBD three in a, in a couple of years. So they took the approach of okay, well, vaping is better than smoking. Let's not eliminate it from the market. Let's put some parameters and then just kind of monitor as it goes along. And that gives us input as well too. TBD three is coming now, so our side has uh, been given the opportunity to amend and put, you know, stuff that we want, bigger bottle sizes and so forth and so forth. Uh, I'm not sure what's going to be granted, but at least we have a voice. But most importantly, the product is available on the market. So they have not shut down any businesses, as we've seen with the way that the FDA chose to take this approach. And I promise you to everybody that's listening that the FDA chose to, they didn't have to take this approach. No. They could have easily created a, a, a different category under the Center for Tobacco Products for, for vapor products. They could have easily done that. It would have been so much easier for them. It would have been so much easier for the industry. But most importantly, it would have been such a huge net public benefit <laughs> to oh. a country that suffers from huge tobacco-related illness and, and huge uh, amount of deaths every year from smoking. Absolutely. I mean, we we had such a, a worse outcome in COVID with this country because of our comorbidities. Um, and the, the benefit of reducing tobacco illness is is just crazy high. So yeah. I mean, why they, why they haven't taken the opportunity, I mean, the, the, the process of a PMTA to begin with was put into place to make it so difficult to bring a new product, a new combustible cigarette product to market. Why would they put harm reduction in the same category? Because literally, yeah. it's the only hope we have to stop a lot of the illness in this country that results from combustible cigarettes. I mean, yeah. Well, the the only reason is that is so Philip Morris and and uh, and uh, R.J. Reynolds can sell products by themselves. That's really well, the only reason why it's there. Well, you're <laughs> also limiting those guys as well because I mean, what if Philip Morris or R.J. Reynolds wants to get involved in the harm reduction space and start removing their harmful products from the market? Um, yeah. Even they are limited. So you, I, I, I partially agree with you, Char, but I'm not going to be one of these advocates that's going to say that everything is fine and dandy with big tobacco. And I'm going to tell you why. I'm sure not. Uh, no. Yeah. yeah. But, but I'm going to tell you why. Have the ability, any, even if they wanted it. Yeah. Right. Well, exactly right. But, but at the end of the day, it's a company that that uh, it's it's uh it's a company that that their main goal is to keep the shareholders happy. So as long as they're selling the, they have the option to sell the alternative which is cigarettes, then it's all moot to me. I'm sorry. We don't, <laughs> you know, yeah. we don't have that luxury no. of being able to sell another product. We're, we're basically competing. I've said this to the legislator many times. I was like, you're trying to take uh, my mom's and pop's members in Tennessee off the market. In essence, what you're taking away is what we're trying to get. And we're trying to get the same customers. We're trying to get smokers to quit smoking. And you're taking that away from us and giving it all to the companies that really have caused the issue 
the, the companies that you really have a problem with, you're allowing them to stay on the space. And guess what? If you eliminate all these products, they still have the alternative, which is the good old cigarette that's been around for 100 years that built America, right? So, I, again, I, I'm, not, I'm not disagreeing with you on that, but I'm just not buying this entire, uh, entirety of that they're really heartbroken because they can't sell their flavored pod. Uh, because they know they they're gonna sell cigarettes, and and at the end of the day, that's all that matters. As long as nicotine is delivered somehow to the consumer and the monopoly is there, then uh, they're happy. Well, I think we should all be um, dinging our legislators on, if not a daily basis, on why are we allowing the monopoly to happen to begin with, and why are we allowing right. small business to have their throats cut? Um, yeah. You know, so do you take when you when you go and you talk to your your legislators in Tennessee, do you take any of that info from the EU? So I've, I've presented a few things, but I don't overload them because, you know, we're in Tennessee. Right. And and multiple times I've heard, you know, from, uh, you know, good old Billy Bob down in McMinn County. Uh, well, you know, that's in uh, the UK and, uh, you know, how about here? So I try to keep more of my... And they don't I, seem I, as respect, is, is receptive of that, right? I mean, that... They don't, they don't. The college, you know, the, the, the studies and things that go on there in, in the UK are amazing, but it doesn't seem to garner the respect. No, that, no. You have somebody, you know, like some of our, um, you know, quote scientists here that that are doing just awful halfway studies and uh yeah. and, and they garner all the respect here just because they are, their birthplace is in the United States when honestly 35,000 physicians sounds like a, a you know something I want to pay attention to yeah but, it's unfortunate that they don't uh they don't they don't pay that much attention I have I've had the privilege of working with the same lobbyist since 2014 that's represented us in in Tennessee. Uh, Erica Vick is our lead lobbyist here, and she's she's been a great tutor to me as we're navigating the space. Um, the advice I always give is do a little background on your on your legislator before you go talk to them, and get a little bit of insight, you know, of uh, of you know uh, what they've done in the past. Uh, what uh, I remember three or four years ago, I went to Georgia to help out for a bill that that some guy was bringing, and I found out that his wife is on the board of the American Cancer Society of Georgia. I mean, there's no way we're gonna change this guy's mind. He's not gonna risk his his you know marriage to, to help yeah. the vapor so so we try to focus a little bit on different so we do a little background on the legislator but i think most importantly i think for america uh right now and for states is the small business aspect um i did a lot of work in putting data through my members in tennessee unfortunately a lot of the members have shut down now so we were not as powerful as we used to be but at some point in tennessee there were over 370 vape shops and one of the statistics that i was using that was very um, touching with legislators was at the time when I pulled these numbers, and I think it was at the end of 2019, early 2020, uh, there were 375 McDonald's in Tennessee. So I would tell them, I said, could you imagine what would happen tomorrow if every McDonald's in Tennessee shut down? How much empty space, how much vanilla box retail would be um, empty? 
that wouldn't pay rent, obviously, and it wouldn't pay property taxes. How many jobs would McDonald's lose and how many jobs would Tennessee lose and how much revenue, how much sales tax? I mean, we pay 9.25 sales tax in Tennessee, so it's not a small chunk and change. So I tried to get those numbers down and it's been effective. Uh, Honestly, the business aspect, I've been privileged enough to have really good membership in Tennessee as well, too. I pick up the phone if I need them and they all show up. You know, we have a good delegation of 30, 35 small businesses at the Capitol, the few times that we have needed them. But I think that's the key with legislators. I think business owners, they really need to understand what they've contributed to the state. And then from the consumer, we really need to focus on the aspect of they have quit smoking and they depend on this product to stay off cigarettes. So those two in combination, obviously be a registered voter because if you're not, they don't really care. And mm-hmm. and be able to make that, that connection with your legislator depending on which side you come from, but also do a little background on them to me has been effective in Tennessee, knowing committees, knowing what committee a bill is going to go through. If I know I have enough votes to kill it in committee, I don't try to make a big, you know, ding about it and get everybody up in arms. We try to work it quietly. We try to make sure that out of the 12 people that are going to be on a committee, I know that seven of them are susceptible to us, are going to listen to us, and they're going to be, you know, four or five that absolutely think that we're the worst evil nicotine peddlers in the world, and we're <laughs> trying to hook their kids on there. So we don't we don't even waste our time with those people. What we try to do is try to get enough votes to kill the bills. And, you know, we've been successful, I think, over 45 bills in Tennessee since 2014 that, that we have avoided and still have, including this year, which was the worst one that came. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think that the business this aspect is the most important. Unfortunately, um, this the, as, as things are progressing with vape shops, we're losing even uh, that power mm. of that of that of, of that small business. A lot of them are closing. We're seeing the hybrid model really take kick into gear this year and uh, in, in last year in, in general all over the United States simply because they had to make the adjustments. But now we're seeing combustible products being sold in stores. We're seeing CBD. We're seeing Delta 8. We're seeing all these other products that are coming in there that, again, it's a little bit difficult for you to go and advocate for quitting smoking when you're selling, you know, smokable flour in your shop, right? So but it's, it's, it's getting a little bit harder uh, for, for everyone. But I think that that small business is still something, especially in the more conservative states, that we can really grasp onto as long as we're able to pull the data and show them. I did a study a couple of years ago at the stores in, my, in Tennessee on, on flavor profiles, and I pulled all the data from the stores. You know, the stores were willing to give me their numbers and tell me, tell me this is how much we have, what we're selling as our top seller. And guess what? Tobacco was, you know, in the bottom of the list, right? Um, so we're able to pull from 45 different stores numbers of, you know, candy, fruits, bakery, and what we're selling as the top to try to avoid future flavor bans to, to get legislators educated that this is what brings revenue to the state and this is what our adult consumers are choosing in these stores. So any move that you're going to make, you really need to think about it and what, uh, what are going to be the consequences for the state, for the money, and also for the consumers that are using these products. Absolutely. And I think, you know, as an industry, we should move forward with something like, you know, because you can go to any um, any website that's opposed to vaping and, and they have statistics that are pretty easily accessible, usually wrong, but fairly easily accessible. And why we don't yes. have that in our own industry um, is beyond me. It's just a, a each state, you know, breakdown of, of what actually Ha- it, what's going on? I mean, we had yeah. twenty, we had twenty, and then uh, 
two drops in, you know, significant drops in youth, youth vaping, and, and they're not published anywhere. Right. Not in any right. aspect that's actually real, like a real breakdown of the numbers. Right. So, and right. why not? Well, I think that, that, I mean, as an industry, we've done a lot of things wrong. Uh, yeah. but, uh, but I think since we found out about the PMTA in 2015, where I was yelling on top of my lungs and everybody was, this, people were laughing at me when I told them that this is serious and we really need to take mm -hmm. a look at it. Even huge clients of mine, uh, I, I was telling, a lot of people thought it's going to get kicked down the road. Then Scott Gottlieb kicked it down to 2022. So a lot of that had to do, unfortunately, we are an industry that kind of like, oh, okay, it's never going to come. Last but it's here. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. here. We, we should have funded here. more studies. And uh -huh, we're here again. And we're here again yeah. with yeah. Uh, with a May the, the 14th deadline. Yeah, so yeah, six yeah. Days. Luckily, I never stopped and you never stopped. And, and yeah. we, we have more of an understanding about what we need to do. Uh, but... Yeah. Uh, 60 days, you know, is a crazy timeline. Yeah. Crazy timeline. Yeah, I can't I wait to see him in court, though. I'll tell you that. Oh, <laughs> For I'm that 60 day you. timeline. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's, I mean, yeah. there's years and it takes six months for a study. And and you have absolutely, you know, of course, we're going to go in like my company is going to go in with, you know, our study, prof, you know, our study outline and and things that we have in place. But. Um, there's no way we'll complete it in time. You know, it'll just have to be a draft. And there's just no way for us to do that. Right. And and, right. and, and to have that, and from what my understanding was, is they wanted no time, no timeline. Yes, you know? yes, yes. So now we have 60 days, which is still a crazy timeline. Um, but, you know, you know, I'm going to wake up May the 15th, and, and I'm going to pray that we have just as many file as we did last time. I want to tell you a little funny story. I've been, uh, which I can talk about now. But uh, I've been privileged to to know Dr. Farsalino since uh, 2011. Uh, we're talking about a cardiologist yeah. that uh, that quit. That it, some guys told him that they quit smoking with vaping, and he didn't believe them in 2011. <laughs> so what he did is he did his own. He brought vapors into the hospital that he was working at the time, which is the big heart surgery place here, and he was testing them. Um, uh, for the systolic pressure of the heart while they were vaping. And, you know, when you smoke, the systolic pressure of the heart, the bottom, the lower end of the heart, starts beating a little bit faster. And that's just because of the, of the tar and the, the way that smoke enters your body. And then he saw that the vapors didn't have that. That was like his, uh, his, his like, uh, ah, Michael, opening yeah. moment. And that's how he got involved in the industry. So, but before Icos launched here in, uh, in Europe, uh, with Dr. Farsalinos, I talked to one of the scientists from PMI and I asked him, I asked him, I said, what did it, what did it cost for the research of the IQOS? And he told me, mm -hmm. you cannot put a number on 20 years of data. I mean, we're talking yes. about a lab. They operate in Sweden. That's a, a I might be wrong on the country, but they do have a lab that has, you know, 85 scientists working there, 145 million euro, uh, you know, uh, operating cost a year. And they've been researching this product for 20 years. So they 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 submitted to the FDA. I, I mean, you've seen the PMTA for ICOs. I've you know, read it a couple of times, but oh, I mean, yeah. the, da the data is just overwhelming. There's absolutely no way that any other company can do that. And And I think that the key for us is to make sure that this gets out.
I said on a show a couple of weeks ago with Phil, we need to continue to sell. We need to continue to provide these products to the people that 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 are dependent on them to stay off cigarettes mm-hmm. and then try to get as much media time of what the government is trying to do. And they're trying to put people like you and me and other people in this industry out of business. But most importantly, they're trying to take away the tool that your customers are using to stay off cigarettes. And that is criminal. That needs to be frontline in, in the newspaper every day and nobody's listening to us it really is you know and and i think about my own people and all the people that i've seen walk through my door and walk out my door and and i never see them again unless i'm i'm walking through walmart or and they say hey i'm sorry i haven't been by the shop but i don't vape or smoke and you know and we just do a celebration right there in the middle yeah, of walmart because it's wonderful to hear that you know because that's a job well done for me that's yeah. that's what I'm yeah. after as a business owner and why I started. Yeah. So I don't want to create lifelong vapors. I want to create someone who no longer has an addiction. Um, yeah. That's but the, we that's need to do more thing. studies as as we need to do more studies as an industry. You know, even back in the early years of 2015, 2016, I was trying to raise money to do. You know, when we did the flavor study with Dr. Farsalinos, that was a struggle to raise the money to do that. But that was an eye opener, I think, and I was using the FDA as well too. But we need to do more studies as an industry as a whole. My biggest issue with the PMTA, and you know, I, I've been to many TMA conferences and tobacco conferences, and I've talked to, um, you know, other industries like the cigar industry, for example, which are, you know, they were they were facing the same struggle. Thankfully, they were able to get exempted, but, but, um, you know, they all say the same thing. They say that. Our product is very specific. A cigarette is very specific. The way that a consumer uses a cigarette is very different than the vaping product. Um, So the PMTA, the the difficulty with the PMTA is that the FDA wants to see that somebody picked up your product, uh, they use your product, they quit smoking combustible cigarettes, and then they continue to use your product to stay off cigarettes. That is virtually impossible because our consumers do not use the product like that. I might use three different flavors in a day. I might use one product to quit smoking. I used the V2 at the time when I quit smoking in 2011, uh, but I quickly moved on to another brand, and then I found a different liquid. And in a daily basis, the struggle, I think, for any company is how do you tell people that uh, how do you tell the FDA, well, yeah, he might have quit with my product, but now he's using this product and he's using that product when the FDA wants to have product-specific data? So yeah, it would make impossible. more sense for the yeah, it's it's it would make more sense for the industry to come together and say, well, we need to do you know A B C D study and show how the product is being used to the FDA. That way, we can justify how we're going to submit our PMTAs and why we're submitting them in this way. There's absolutely, I don't think any company that will be able to be granted a PMTA on product specific study in an open vapor environment because the product's not being used that way. Not unless you do, as you said, a group study. Yeah. So, and, you know, and, and believe it or not, we do have, you know, I am privy to information that we do have a couple of those such groups doing their, doing their studies. So um, there will be, there will be data out there to be had, whether or not the FDA will look at that though. Is is anybody's (laughs) guess, right? Yeah. Yeah. I can throw really amazing data at them, but at the end of the day, when I look at their, you know, a lot of their conferences at the end of the day, what they're telling us is, you know, you go paint this house blue. They don't tell you which house or which color of blue you get back with a blue house. And they say, well, that's not the shade of blue I wanted. And you're on the wrong house. 
Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we're, we're guessing as to where our, our benchmark is, um, what, what hurdle, how high does it have to be? We're really guessing, and they're not giving us much yeah. to, to, to be able to do that. They're just saying, hey, go until you make up our mind. Yeah, yeah. That's that's how it was designed to be, though. That's that's how it was designed to be, unfortunately. And uh, and uh, that's the the travesty, and that's the 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 corruption of the PMTA. It was designed to eliminate people like you and me from from the market. And uh, mm-hmm. and it's it's working. I mean, it's 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 sad. I've seen a lot of people go out of business in the last couple of years. I've seen quite a few shops that were committed to to smokers and committed to helping smokers simply say you know i'm just not going to go the hybrid route i'm just going to shut down because you know my the government's forcing me to to shut down and it's it's a, it's really a shame as somebody that came to america for the american dream you know i came when i was 15 and I started working to, to see it and now it's being crushed you know it used to be the days where where we'd see the small moms and pop shops in various cities and they're shut down and here comes another industry like any other disruptive disruptive industry like the uber they they face their hurdles um we're seeing an industry come that built small mom and pops operations all over the united states they took dead vanilla box space in, in shopping centers and open shops they employed people they made something out of themselves they contributed to the economy and here comes you know uh government overreach and tells them uh you know you gotta have to you have gonna have to go away and it's uh, it's a shame and in my younger years it was so common for a politician to say hey we support small business no matter what side red or blue you were on um that was the common theme is that they did support small business they did support mom and pop because they knew the innovation of those drove this country and made it great yeah, yeah. and and yeah, now absolutely. we're seeing you know, unfortunately, we're seeing a lot of them fall away from that aspect. They're they're more going towards the government overreach side. Um, you have a lot of uh, you know screaming memes out there that says, you know, you got to save this, you got to save that. Well, you know, the saving starts in my in my opinion at your state level. Yeah, you know, it, it starts actually in your house. You know, I don't want the government telling me what uh, my child should or should not be using. Yeah. To stop smoking. Right. What I right. what I want is to be a parent. You know, right. and and I want the freedom and the liberties to do that. To say that you can't tell me that I have to watch my child die. Yeah. You know, I, I watch it, it, it's unfortunate die. they just uh, they 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 want you to quit smoking but they only want to want you to quit smoking with products that 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 are creating a profit for for big kind of corporations and after that one. And and I, and I may have to disagree with you there, Demi, because I'm not sure they want you to quit smoking anymore. I'm not. Yeah, really sure, sure, sure. That sure, is sure. their agenda anymore. I think sure. whenever you whenever you pet your salary is paid by the guy you're supposed to be monitoring. Yeah. Um, I don't know how you can become. Um. How, how do you how do you how do you say you know hey this is not good for you and it will cost you revenue which will cost me my job so eh, we're gonna let that one slide yeah so yeah. i'm gonna take away your competition in vaping because well you pay for my salary yeah i mean yeah that really that, that it, it's 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 yeah you're absolutely right and and uh it, it's unfortunate that that states have have grown to depend on on uh, on the money that that uh, you know, and again, tobacco companies being very smart, they they really handled this very correctly to protect themselves. But 
it's it's an unfortunate time that I think that I think that one day, you know, whether it be in our lifetime or not, I think one day we will be justified. And I think all the hard uh, work that we've done in the last decade or so and continue to do will be justified. And we're going to look back at this and we're gonna say, well, you know, look, we told you it's just, you know, who's going to be left in that space to be able to to sell the product is is uh, is, is really what I want to see. I really hope you're right because I really because I know we're on the right side of history on this one. I really do. I mean, I feel it in in my heart each time I I think about the product or when I look at the faces of you know the 70 year old in my shop that's that's quit and, and they're breathing better now and they're active and and you know I see the changes daily for those people mm-hmm. and uh, and this is why I fight. You know, I don't do this because you know it's it's fun. I don't I don't fight because it's fun. I don't fight. I can make a living out of anything. I can immediately swap to selling tobacco products in my shop and just become mm-hmm. as profitable if not more. Yeah. Yeah. I I do this and I fight like this because someone has to. Yeah. So, you know, and and I've seen you fight and and you literally, you know, you guys literally your fight instilled the need in me to fight. Yeah, so I think that I think I think people feed people off each like other. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think I think people feed off each other. I, you know, I obviously I'm a little bit burned out now, and and I'm working a lot in Europe uh, because you know uh, the United States. I can't I can't work that much. Yeah. Uh, aside from the consulting that I do there, but uh, but um, I think that if you look back, uh, w- w- when I started reviewing products, I quickly realized that this product is amazing. This product is yeah. going to help a lot of people quit smoking. I realized that very early in my career. And immediately I had to like kind of shift from being this vape tube, uh, YouTube reviewer of, of vaping products into an advocate to protect uh, my state, the Tennessee at the time. So I formed the first independent state association in the United States with the Tennessee Smoke Free Association for that particular reason. Now, if you were told me I would still be eight years uh, here doing this voluntarily, I would tell you uh, no after I've been called every name in the book. But but I, I'm, I am getting a little bit burned out. But I think that the the drive, you know, that, that first message you get from a shop owner asking you for some guidance and some reassurance, uh, the, the customer that, that, that message you, worried uh, am i going to be able to get my strawberry you know uh, milk liquid tomorrow and t- you know i think that drives us and also the camaraderie that i think that advocates have in between them i mean you know there's a lot of drama and all kinds of stuff like that going on but i think at the end of the day we all no, have a common I... goal right yeah. and the common goal is to keep these products available on the market for smokers so i think that everybody kind of drives off each other i I really commended you and, and Amanda for the work that you did in the first round of the PMTAs. I think it was an impossible task. Uh, and we learned that, so much. That, and, yeah, and, and, we're, and we're building on that this time. And they don't yeah, see us coming yet again. Yeah, I think I think that if you if you if, if I you know I'm a big uh, streaming uh, guy. I watch all these documentaries. I love documentaries, and I see all these documentaries. These stupid documentaries are again on Netflix. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. how's this person producing this? Right, like a swindler, Tinder swindler, or whatever. You know, and everybody's like fascinated with it. Where we could have stories of an 80 year old woman that quit smoking, or or the shop owner that gets out there and goes to the Capitol in D.C. to fight. You know, or or, the, or this impossible task of facing. 
uh, the Food and Drug Administration in, in a very short period of time to submit, you know, millions of documents to stay on the market. I mean, these are stories that the American public needs to hear, not only for vaping, but for their uh, right as a citizen in this country that, listen, if they do this with vaping, tomorrow they might do this with Coca-Cola, tomorrow they might do this with Bud Light, tomorrow they yeah. might do this in this other, you know, vice that I enjoy uh, as an American in the country. It, it really needs to get out there and I'm just so frustrated. I'm so frustrated that, that our industry has not invested more money into getting it out there. You know, public relations is, is extremely important in America. Elections are bought and won through public relations, a messaging. Uh, our opposition is using it tremendously well uh, in, in, in bearing vaping and making vaping look bad. It's, it's something, again, that I think uh, our industry could have done better if we hadn't done nothing else is to invest money into, into uh, being able to get that message out there to your average American and, and not through just a couple of websites or Facebook bubbles that we all live in, but get it out there on news, get it out there on mainstream media that the government is trying to take away the competitor well, from Marlboro and- cigarettes. And not even that. We we need to start standing up and, and instead of allowing them to shame us, you know, we, we've allowed this vaping shaming to go on. And, you know, this is an innovative, exciting, and wonderful product that is saving lives. Sure. Shame what? So we need to be stepping up in front of those politicians. We step up in front of politicians like... You know, like, I'm sorry, I'm just a former smoker. Like, like that's an awful thing. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Sure. Stand up with your badge and your, and your, you know, hold your head up high because you beat it, man. You know? Yeah, I mean, and, and that's because smokers been shunned in America for yes. the last 20 years. You know, one of the most overtaxed products on the market, and uh, and and we've been shamed. I, I I will tell you, I had to go hide behind dumpsters to smoke at some point. I remember uh, taking my uh, my father-in-law to Mayo Clinic up in Minnesota to see his uh, doctor, and uh, I, I I I dropped him off there, and then I walked outside to the receptionist, and I said, "Is there you know a smoking area?" I didn't know, you know, because like, there's a smoking yeah. area, and they're like, "No." I was like, "Okay," and jokingly I said, "I'm just gonna go outside and smoke," and she told me, "No, you can't even smoke outside. You have to go." Yeah. Like, uh, 250 yards away from like the entire block of Mayo Clinic in Minnesota in January is like negative seven outside. I literally had to go outside and freeze and hide behind a dumpster to smoke. So yeah, I mean that, that shunning has carried over to us as well too. But it we're has. not doing anything wrong, you know. We're, we're not, not doing anything wrong. We're not, and and we need to stop living like we are. I mean, I you know that that is my soapbox. It is huge for me. Um, we are a, we, we we walk up to these politicians like we like we're asking them for a favor and we're saving lives. How does that make sense to yeah, anybody? Yeah, makes no sense at all. It doesn't. It, makes no sense. it doesn't. It's crazy and it's insane. All right, well, yeah. Demi, it was been wonderful. I love talking to you and yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, I absolutely. could do it for hours. Um, no doubt. Because because we are so on the same page with everything. Um, yeah. It's it's the old way of thinking, I guess, and and um, and maybe it's just because I learned from you guys, but uh, but you know, and 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 think about it. you may be burnt out, but you 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 trained people like me to do exactly what you still do. Yeah, so, and I'm still here. I mean, I, I this year I was going to yep. step back and let Nicole take over at, in Tennessee, and then this horrible bill from RJR came, obviously making it, yep. you know. 
criminal everybody have a, a vape product in the PMTA and uh, and thankfully I was able to uh, I, I have pretty good relationships with the lobby from from RJR and then when when the federal bill was passed I was able to sit down and tell them look you know you're not going to have the votes to pass this and you might as well just pull it because you know the federal passed and we're going to use that as a tool which is another advice that I'm giving to everybody that's listening use the federal law as a tool to stop it in your state at least for this year so the bill was pulled the bill was um SB 2143, that was pulled. Then another bill that came to make a criminal uh, offense to possess vape products in school, which, again, I think is just completely ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> thankfully, that, that one died in committee to, uh, before it made. And then last year, we passed preemption in Tennessee, uh, which was good for us. But this year, they came back and they wanted to give the authority to some cities to uh, for public spaces and stuff like that. And we got a vape shop uh, exemption for, for that if it passes, which... Again, I think that's going to die as well, too. So thankfully, again, Tennessee, this year we're going to be okay. But every time I try to step back, it's just like I'm I'm sucked back in like, like a hoover. So, <laughs> Absolutely. So. You know what? I When I told my husband when we thought this uh, PMTA thing may go through, we're like, all right, we're not doing it this time. Um, You know, I was, you know, really hard and heavy into a new business. And, and we still got the vape shots, but we've got a new business going and we're really trying to make it work, and then I just immediately get sucked back in because I don't think yeah. we can quit. I really yeah. Can't. But but you use the resources that you have. You know, uh, Alex contacted me from Casa, was aware of the bill. I told him that I had a, a strategy and I have a plan. Yeah. Just wait a couple of days. Let me get the um, the exact wording and you know what we need to focus on from a strategic standpoint with the committees. We did put a call to action for consumers. We we had a really good response. Our business owners stepped up and started calling their legislators from Sunday, leading into Monday. Thankfully, by Tuesday morning, we we found out that the bill was peeled, uh, pulled. So I pulled the horses back. But we did we did we always have a methodology and, and a strategy that we try to um, to use and use what resources you have. You have Kasai, you have other people in other states that are willing to step up and help. Use anything that you possibly can to stop these state laws. They're, they're unjust, and no matter what happens with the PMTA, a state law uh, is implemented usually immediately, and, it, and it's a really a deterrent and, and devastating for, for the vape shops and the small businesses that are in the state. Oh, absolutely. At the AVM, we support every state org that we possibly can. All they have to do is call um, you know, we support Alex and Kassaw as much as we possibly can. They just need to call. You know, we, we, we've really tried to be all-inclusive um, because, you know, at, at the one time that you, you've decided to, you know, put on the holier-than-thou hat and say, you know, we're awesome and you're not, um, you have just devastated the industry. I mean, Yeah, honestly. absolutely. Absolutely. You have devastated Absolutely. the industry. You should handshake and and because all, ultimately it's not about us. It's about the guy that walks into the vape shop in the middle of nowhere and can lay down his pack of cigarettes and his wife or his you know kids don't lose him or they you know they don't lose their mother. That's what it's all about. You know. Yeah, and we're not we're not that big yet to be able to to do it no. by ourselves. We need everybody's help. I remember. I, I'm sorry. I know we were going a little bit late, but I do want to bring this up. In 2017, I was in Ohio with James Jarvis at at the at the expo that he had there, and uh, we went out to dinner with some e-liquid manufacturers. I won't say who it was, but this e-liquid manufacturer looked at me in the face at dinner and told me when I was telling him about the PMTA and that it's a serious thing. Uh, he laughed at me and he says, "We're too big." We're too big for the FDA to do anything to us. Oh, and, uh, you know, he apologized to me in 2020, by the way. But uh, yeah. but 
we're definitely not as big as the people that are our competition. So yeah. never forget that. We are not, and we're nowhere near that level. So any any help uh, that you can uh, get and utilize, uh, reach out and put your egos aside, put your, and, yep. and, and try to get it done. And that is to protect the industry. Absolutely, man. Well, Demi, it was wonderful. and Thank um, you for having me. You can uh, reach out to Demi. How can we reach out to you if we need you? Because we always at, need you. At Vaping Greek on Twitter, uh, Facebook.com slash Vaping Greek. I'm always available for messages. I get them, you know, daily. So that's uh, that's where you can find me. My website's internationalvaporsolutions.com for consulting. And uh, that's, that's it. That's pretty Thank much you. it.